How are we doing? I gotta just wait for this. Um, thank you, Timo. Okay. Sound, I sound funny. Do I sound funny? Oh. Gotta moisturize the lips. Vaseline. That's how we don't crack. We use Vaseline. Um, okay. okay. Oh, some of you are only getting it now. Black don't crack because of Vaseline. Um, okay. <laughs> I have uh, quite an interesting message for us this morning, which I'm actually very excited about. So if you don't know who I am, my name is here. If you haven't the pleasure of meeting, um, and I'll lead our evening service. And this morning, we're continuing our series called uh, It's Me, Hi, I Am the Problem. Now, very often in series such as these, or some series that are like really good, we often think, oh my gosh, so-and-so would benefit so much from this thing. This message is exactly for them. Now, I want to encourage us this morning. You can share the, the podcast or whatever to so-and-so, but listen for you. The great thing about this series is that it, it encourages us to um, realign our thinking, because even in the title, it's, hi, oh, it's me, hi, I am the problem, I'm the problem. I mean, not even to insinuate, there's something wrong with you, but really just to uh, get us looking internally as opposed to externally first. So we're addressing our internal world, our own uh, misconceptions, our own incorrect thinking, and allowing God to speak into that as we navigate our life going forward. Now, uh, Ross opened, up, opened it up last week saying that we need a manifesto, and essentially saying you need to have a vision for your life. Now, a vision for your life needs to be influenced and poured over, and God needs to have his hand over that, because uh, the Bible does tell us for lack of vision, my people perish. So we need a manifesto. We need to know who we're becoming, because who becomes before do. Now, I'm going to unpack and, un and take that a, a level deeper a little bit to go deeper into understanding, understanding our who. Um, yeah, but let me pray quickly, and then we're going to jump right in, okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you're here, that you're going to speak to us ever so uniquely this morning, that you're going to um, shed light on our internal world and how they impact and influence our external world. Help us, Dad, in these moments, look inside and then look outside. Um, Holy Spirit, won't you speak to us this morning? Our hearts, our minds, our souls are open. Fill us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I carry on, I have a short message for parents. So parents uh, that drop their kids off in kids' church, um, we are in the process of changing a couple of things and making them so much better. So your kids' experience and your experience as a parent is so much um, um, more euphoric. So I'm, gonna, I'm asking from the parents this morning to, um, number one, give us grace as we figure some stuff out. And number two, um, to walk with us as we figure some stuff out to make the kids' church space so much more incredible for your kids and more of an engaged experience for you. Um, so you'll see some stuff is already changing, and is, we need some of your details, etc., um, just to help in how we do that. Um, yeah, so we appreciate your cooperation and, and working with us. Cool. Okay. So I have had um, 
one year in my life that has been the most emotionally erratic years ever. Grade seven was simultaneously the best year of my schooling career and, I won't say my life, but let me just say my schooling career, and simultaneously the worst year of my schooling career. On the one hand, I was uh, a try-scoring machine, averaged like two tries a game. Um, I was at the top of the social food chain. I was, um, what else was I? I, the, I was the class clown. I was the biggest goobot in class. I had three of the best friends ever. I, uh, I wasn't bad academically, not because you were never here. Oh my God, I was so great in sports. He must have been in, um, never mind. Yeah, I was, I was just great and all. Like that year was just fantastic. The teacher was great. Every single lesson was outside. It's pure bliss. And on this hand, I was the most aggressive child you'll ever meet. Um, in a moment's notice, I could just switch up and I'd be so angry. And in a second's moment's notice, I'd be absolutely fine, dandy, uh, everything was cool. Um, so the kids in my class, the, or my classmates, they experienced, uh, like, what is wrong with Sia? Because, I mean, on what they see is this side of things. So why is it that he's so angry all the time? Why is it that he has such a short fuse? Why is it that his emotions are all over the place? They asked themselves those questions because, in reality, something else was cutting me, but I was bleeding on them. And they never knew that. And I even never knew that because I never had the language or the understanding to begin to process my internal world. Because what they did not see is that back home um, in grade six, my parents uh, moved house. So we moved to where we're staying now. We've lived there for almost 20 years now. Um, when we were staying at York Street, my parents were, they weren't the perfect parents. They weren't like mind blowing, but they were much better than they were when we moved. So they, my dad would sit with us, watch soccer, we'd go play with them outside. My mom was like super engaged. We got puppies and she was just, he had a, I had very present parents. When we moved, the climate changed. My mom was the grumpiest human you could ever encounter. My dad, the only time I ever saw him when he was leaving for work and coming back from work. We never had a conversation. We never had any level of interaction. There was just no level of presence, and I mean like being present, from my parents. Now, as a child, I'm asking myself questions. Why? Now, looking back, there were obviously some marital problems that we never knew about. They never fought. Um, you'd, I'd never, ever heard my parents had an argument. Um, it wasn't like an, uh, an emotional abuse thing. It wasn't any of those things. But their marriage changed, and that affected us. And because I was the oldest, I felt that the most, because I'd become so much more sensitive, because I'm always weighing up what's going on with mom and dad. And because, as a, as a child, you want to feel connected to your parents, loved, seen. If something was wrong, I'm going to think that I am the one that has done something wrong to affect their relationship with me. That's how children navigate their internal world. Now, that wasn't, of, of course, the reality, but because my mom was so grumpy, she would just yell at me all the time. And because it's a black home, it's a one-way conversation, even if she's wrong. <laughs> It's not like, why'd you do this? And you get to answer. It's, why'd you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And you just need to 
kind of take it. And sometimes she was wrong in the thing that she was fighting with me about. But because I had very little control, and they were my parents, the place that I did have control was with my peers. You and I are the same age. So if you do something that takes away control, that makes me feel less than, I'll respond, because I can. Which is why home was cutting me, but I was bleeding at school. So every time somebody said something to me, I'd like, okay. <laughs> That's a beatbox, I would beatbox. I'm joking. <laughs> Um, but that's how I would respond at, at school because I felt like I had the ability to take back control in a moment I felt like I was being taken away from me. Now, obviously I'm a kid, there's no understanding, there's no language, there's no whatever, but the reality is as I grow up, I'm experiencing so many more of these events at home that are governing my internal beliefs that are then dictating my external behavior. And I just live my life in this continuous cycle of expressing my emotions in a way that is actually very immature. I could be unbelievably angry at school one day, I could be very grumpy the next day, I could be absolutely unplayable, you can't even talk to me, I emotionally shut down, you can't even get a word out of me. The next, thing, the next day I'm like the most dubious person on the planet, I'm just like so excited and blah, 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 and the next day I'm just this, because my emotions were all over the place, I had no understanding. Now I could tell you that I was an angry kid, but that is actually very, very low self-awareness. To take it a step beyond that, to actually get to a high level of self-awareness, understanding why am I an angry kid? Now, as we get older, obviously, it doesn't always just manifest itself in just fists and getting angry and all that kind of stuff. But those, unless those emotions remain unaddressed, I'm going to be that person. Because after a while, my environment influenced my identity which then influenced my belief, which consequently affected my behavior. Who I was led me to believe that I could behave in a certain way, whether it was right or wrong. Now, there are a ton of different emotional responses that you might experience. Uh, I'm gonna name a few and you can insert yourself into any of them. So some cases, we can be highly defensive, uncomfortable expressing or describing our emotions, difficulty listening to other people's perspectives, uh, shutting down or lashing out in a moment of conflict, uh, blaming others when things go wrong, uh, controlling or overly demanding, um, emotionally dumping or withholding, avoiding conflict or poor communication. And by communication, I don't mean like just talking, I mean, I mean like helping the person understand what's happening inside of you. That's good communication. But pure communication is, there's some feeling, I'm just gonna, I'm not okay. Boom, you shut down, you're gone. So maybe you can resonate with one of these things, but um, we all, to some degree, experience some level of uh, emotional disequilibrium, where our emotions get the better of us, or whatever. So this message really is, geared around how do we get to a point of being emotionally mature individuals, allowing God to pour his love, grace, understanding, his words over us in that process so we get to a point of being emotionally mature. Now, last year, I walked a little bit of a journey, of, not a, a very long journey of understanding my internal world and what is governing my 
emotions, but because of how I grew up. My first relation, or, or um, uh, how do I describe it? My first point of understanding in any level of relationship is responsibility first. Like, I'll, I'll engage with you, um, and I feel a high sense of responsibility, because that's how I engage with my parents. They first gave me responsibility as the oldest child, and from that point on, that's how I measured relationship. Hey, if there's a high level of responsibility and I do all the right things, then I'll be told, I love you or you did a good job. But that obviously isn't healthy. Now, if I don't deal with those things, if I don't deal with those emotions, if I don't deal with the why, then I'm going to walk a very long journey hurting a whole lot of people that had nothing to do with forming those beliefs. Now, a low level of the why as well is like, um, and this is possibly maybe a little immature as well. Um, you can weigh up for yourself. If I say to Justy, who said something to me, and then I responded with the angry response, I was like, how could you say that? So then I could say to someone, oh, why did you hit Justy? Oh, the reason why I'm angry is because Justy made me angry. Now, in that moment, we might feel like that's, that's a part of the, of the why. I felt angry when Justy did something. But Justy didn't make me angry. Justy didn't make me hit him. I chose to hit him. So that's me reacting to the emotion within myself. In any situation, every situation, nothing makes you do something. We choose our responses all the time, or reactions all the time. Our internal world is dictating and governing our external behavior. Now, the reason that I'm angry might have, or I respond with anger, might have nothing to do with Justin. He might have just done something innocently, but it triggered something that happened when I was 12. And that's how I learned to handle those emotions, respond with aggression. So I respond with aggression, or react with aggression. And I can justify that saying, Justy made me do it. I chose to do it. Justy just triggered me. So now, how do we begin to walk the journey of being far more emotionally healthy? There's a, a model that we, that's found in a wholeness course. It's called the ABCD model. It's going to come up on the screen now. Yes. OK, so we can see, mm, we can see what happens over time. So an activating event, let's just say my mom chooses to, here's an example, so my mom would say to me, do this thing, or go cut the hedge, or go cut that tree, or whatever. So naturally, I'll do it in the way that I think that I must do it. So uh, she comes back at the end of the day, and she's like, more than you saying, you did it, I'm so proud of you. She'd say, why did you do it like that? Now, it might seem like an innocent question, and. Um, but what it did within me is like, I must have done it wrong then. So over time, as she asked those questions, so obviously that created a belief in me that if I don't do something the way that she imagines me doing it, I'm doing it wrong. So that created the belief within me. So the activating event, there was a belief, the consequent emotional that I feel like a failure if she doesn't say, good job, at the thing that she's asked me to do. And now the, the I think the dictated behavior is the last one. Um, I don't know what that is. Um, 
is that what happens is that the behavior is, once I feel like a failure, I shut down and I don't talk. Like, ah, failure, go to your room. You didn't do it the right way. Now, every time this happens, it just reinforces the belief, which then just creates a greater expression of the behavior. It just makes it even far more aggressive. Now, somebody else, now this thing has been formed and shaped within me by my environments. And now I get to a point where I'm having a conversation with someone, and, and they ask a question, just as innocently as my mom. And I could be like, damn it, I've done it wrong. I'm a failure. And then what do I do? I conduct myself in the way that I always have when I felt like a failure. And that's the hard part of understanding the why. Now, when I begin to think about, when I begin to think about um, why do I respond or react in this way, it has to get tracked back to what's the activating event? Because between activating event and beliefs, I'm asking myself why questions. Why did my mom respond in that way in that moment? And because I don't get to ask her the question and have a conversation, the enemy can just insert a lie right there. It's because you're a failure. I must be a failure. And then I'll, that'll sit, and that's how I then just choose to live my life. In every single situation or encounter or moment with people that had nothing to do with forming that belief. And then I just become a very emotionally unhealthy human being. Unless I choose to address it. Unless I choose to ask myself really hard why questions. Why do I respond or react in this moment and so-and-so does this? It's probably got nothing to do with so-and-so. That person just triggered me in that moment. And it took me back to a, mo a certain moment when I was younger or whatever the case might be. That's the high emotional awareness, high level of self-awareness. When we can ask ourselves why questions, and it goes beyond the person that did something to you. But we look within ourselves at how did this become a pattern behavior within us. Are you guys still with me? So now we've got to begin to walk the journey of healing and being emotionally healthy human beings. There's a story in the Bible of the mo one of the most emotional roller coasters you'll ever experience. And that's Joseph's story. So Genesis 37, we're going to look at this, his journey for a little while. Um, 37 verse 1 to 11 says this. Jacob lived in the land his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them, a.k.a. Joseph was a snitch. <laughs> now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other brothers. Bad parenting 101. Because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a, uh, what's it, an ornate, an ornate robe for him, a technicolor robe, flashy robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. They experienced an activating event every single time they saw their father love Joseph more than them. Now, when they saw the activating event, it created a belief within them that our dad must not love us at all, or that much. Because then they asked themselves why questions between A and B, 
the result was something must be wrong with us. And now the emotion that was created from that was hatred. And the behavior, no kind words spoken to Joseph. That's what jo Jacob's parenting created in the brothers. But not only them, but Joseph himself as well. Because he carries on to say this. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes, for example, for a moment. He had been told his whole life, you are amazing by his father's behavior. You are the best thing that has ever happened to me. Now, that's an activating event for Joseph as well, and we can just imagine that it creates a sense of pride within him because his belief was, I must be amazing. So the emotion was pride, arrogance, feeling like you own the world. So his behavior was, he'll conduct himself that way. Even when God chooses to show him something, his response is from his position of pride. So he had another dream. Uh, verse 9 says, he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. He said, listen, he, told, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers this, uh, his father rebuked him and said, what is the dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, when we look at Joseph's story from this point on, like I'm not going to read the whole thing because we'll be here until tomorrow. Um, his brothers, obviously, then after this point, they were out, whatever, you sent a message, and they sold him into slavery. Everything from that point on in Joseph's life had Joseph at the lowest possible position. Now, we could argue that he was being humbled from his position of being the absolute favorite to being a slave for a couple of years, and then he was falsely accused of attempted rape and was sent into prison. He was in prison for about 10 years. Now, we can imagine that at that point, something must be happening in those 10 years. He's not just sitting in prison doing absolutely nothing. Now, we know that he found favor with uh, the guards. Everywhere he went, just Joseph had an inordinate amount of blessing and favor over his life. But let's just imagine for a second that he's having conversations with God, reflecting about his time at home, trying and not even trying, ask himself why questions. Man, why did I explain my dream in that way? Why did I do this thing in that way? God revealed to me how I could have done it better. I'm leaning and looking to you now in this moment and um, God's influencing, impacting, speaking into who he is because that's now being redefined by the position that he finds himself in. His identity is being reshaped by God because God knows at some point these two are going, these worlds are going to collide again. 
And when they did, Joseph's response was a response. Imagine, for example, you now met people that sold you into slavery and they were your brothers. I don't know about you, but if I was now the second most powerful man in Egypt, I'd have them thrown in prison immediately. Or do something, because like, you onions sold me into slavery. My trouble was because of you. Or was it? Was it? Was he there, really, because of his brothers? But he got to a point of, so, I mean, we know the story, they, he gives them, he asks them, where's your youngest brother, how's your father, blah, blah, blah. So they're like, bring me your youngest brother, you guys can stay, you go fetch your brother, and he gave them food, and he gave them their money back, which is, I mean, such an act of kindness. They come back, they feel like, no, nope, we stole this money or whatever, uh, it must have been an accident, they bring twice as much the next time, they come back with um, Benjamin, and uh, there were some interesting moments where like, he'd go off and he'd cry on his own. He'd cry, he'd weep, the emotional uh, weight of the moment that he's feeling with his brother because he didn't recognize him. And then he'd come back out and address them normally and speak normally to them as if he knows nothing of what they're speaking about. That was a very different man to the 17-year-old boy they had an experience with some 30, no, some 12 years prior, 12, 13 years prior. A very different man. Because I'd like to believe that he'd done the work of asking himself why. Talking to God and allowing God to be the one that speaks into the person that he is. Because who comes before do? Who we are informs the beliefs that you and I have, which then dictates our behavior. Who God says that we are informs the beliefs that we have, which then determines our behavior. Because in moments that absolutely trigger our emotions, that remind us of how difficult life might have been, or take us back to that moment when a parent or a peer or anyone spoke ill over us, we get to define ourselves based on truth and not tragedy. Jacob, I mean, Joseph did the work of asking himself the really hard whys. I don't know this morning if you're at any level emotionally erratic, or there's some part of yourself where you say, I know I can be this way and this way. Could we possibly do the hard work of asking ourselves, why? Why do I shut down in this moment? Why do I avoid conflict? Why am I so scared in this moment? Why am I afraid to trust God? Why, why, why? And allow God to be the one that speaks into your whys. Because your identity is so important to the way that you and I choose to live. Before Jesus began his three-year ministry, the first thing that was affirmed within him was who he was. This is my son whom I loved, with whom I am well pleased. You might be here this morning feeling like you're an absolute mess because you don't have certain parts of yourself under control. If you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you that God sees you and says, this is my son or daughter whom I loved, with whom I am well pleased. He is pleased with you, even if there's still work to be done. 
even if we still need to ask ourselves hard whys. Because then we can get to a point that Joseph did. When, he's, when he finally revealed himself to his brothers, he said this, don't even worry about it. This is all part of God's plan. What you intended for evil, God used for good. I get to engage with my mom now, far more powerful when she, she says sorry for being a certain way. Don't even worry about it. In any moment that triggers me or takes me back to a certain moment, I get to do the hard part of understanding my why. Why am I feeling anxious? Why am I feeling anger? Why am I feeling this? Okay, then I get to choose a response that is defined by who I am and what I believe. Our identity informs our beliefs, which governs our behavior. Because even when you've decided to be far more kind, your emotions of the person that you used to be are the first to feel and the last to change. I'm going to choose to be a kind person in this moment, but in, in me there's an internal war. In that moment, we get to conduct ourselves by the way that we've decided, not dictated by our emotions. It all begins when you and I do the hard work of asking ourselves hard whys. Why do I feel the way that I do? Why do I react the way that I do? And from that, allow God to speak into that, inform your identity, remind you of who you are, speak the truth. Where there was a lie, allow God to speak the truth. And let that really sit deep in your heart. Because belief leads to consequent emotions which then dictate or determine behavior. I have a little bit of homework for us this week. And it's around the paint the picture, align yourself, start something, and shatter the cycle. So paint the picture of what your life could look like when when your identity is influenced or informed by God. Okay, now to get there, there's some hard wires we need to ask ourselves. Now align your, your who with your do. Who are you? And who does a person that is that way? Or how does a person that is this, son of God, daughter of God, respond in certain situations, in these situations, or... And then start the action and shatter the cycle of emotional immaturity. Allow God to speak into who you are. That will inform what you believe. And that will determine your behavior. It starts from the inside out. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for moments such as these where we get to reflect on the um, hurts of the past. 
that you might respond to them well in the present. Allowing you to speak into the people that we choose to become. Speak into our identity and our beliefs and our behavior. I pray that we get to walk the journey of understanding our whys, of understanding our emotions and their whys. And from that point, begin to walk the journey of emotional health. It's not by any means easy, but I pray for the courage to be able to face those whys, regardless of what they might be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't rush off. There's tea and coffee. Uh, Bless someone. Start a conversation. Love you.